2: hello there boys and girls and welcome to another episode of circling the bases proudly a part of nbc sports edge i'm your host colin henderson joining me today as always mr christopher crawford chris before we get to all of the good baseball stuff allow me to give a quick first on air congratulations for your cracking finally joining the uh the NHL. I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of that game tonight. I know there was like three baseball games on today. Yeah. <laughs> but welcome to the NHL, sir. Uh,
3: yes, it's a welcome to the NHL and it's welcome to being a Seattle sports fan again because Yay. of course they lost. But it was cool. It was a great game. They were down three nothing and came back, tied the game. Yeah. And a controversial goal that went off a of skater skate that was pretty clearly kicked in, but it's kind of like that um, Remember when we had pass interference reviewable for like one year and it was like, there's no way in heck we're reviewing, we're changing this at all, type of thing. Yeah. I don't, I, it's so subjective, like with something like that, that I don't think it can ever be overturned. But it was fun. It's fun to have a winter sport to root for again. And uh, man, hockey games are intense. I, 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 I watched, I've, I like watching the NHL playoffs as much. But even the regular season games, they're not quite the same thing, obviously, but like they're intense. They are fun to watch.
2: Oh yeah, I mean there are a few things better than playoff hockey just because oh, yeah. of that. By yeah. game three, everyone hates each other more <laughs> yeah. than anybody else. <laughs> That's true. too. I don't know if you got a chance, Chris, to watch the on the the pregame light show.
3: Oh thank that gosh, that was so cool!
2: That if you guys, <laughs> if anybody out there has did not get a chance to see, if you yeah. didn't blow up on your phones like it did mine, please take four minutes out of your day and look up the Golden Knights ice. Incredible. Laser light show for the Krakens for the Krakens debut. It was awesome. Could not yeah. recommend it higher. take take a couple minutes and look at it.
3: My friend Emily Nyman tweeted that it was funny that you've got this beautiful light show going on and in baseball you've got some cgi helmets with a baseball underneath them it's quite the difference between obviously hockey has a built-in benefit with the fact that they have all of that ice to play with but it it is kind of a funny juxtaposition that baseball keeps showing you the 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 ball under the hat game and hockey's got an actual like cirque de soleil show going on before the games
2: Or you can just do the, like, two helmets bashing into each other for football. Like, yeah, we've seen that (laughs) that a couple times over and over again. Just
3: a smidgen, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, coming
2: up on the show today, and this might not be a surprise for anyone listening, uh, Chris and I are going to be talking about everything going on around the postseason. So strap in. It should be a good one. This postseason Mm -hmm. has been a good one. So we're going to catch you up on everything that is happening. Um, A quick update. We are recording this. At one o'clock in the morning, east coast time. So, if I start slurring my words at the end of this, know that it is not for any reason other than sleep deprivation. Sure. But we stayed up to make sure that we could watch all of the games today. The Dodgers Giants game just finished, so we wanted to make sure that you are completely up to date when you listen to this episode. But before we get to all of that good stuff, the NFL season, as we as you might have heard, is in full swing, and the NBC Sports Predictor app has you covered. With Sunday night seven, predict what will happen on Sunday night football for a chance to win up to $100,000 every week. It's free and easy to play. So download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor. So let's pop over to baseball. Let's start with the game that we just finished watching up here uh, as the Dodgers beat the Giants 7-2 in Game 4 to push that best-of-five series to five games. Uh, It's been an excellent series so far, and honestly, after the way this entire season has run and these two teams just jockeying for for the two best records in baseball and the NL West title, it just feels right for this to be going to five games, regardless of if you're a fan of one of these teams or not, it just feels right. Uh, Mookie Betts with a home run and a sack fly, three RBIs. He looked great, made a couple nice plays in the field as well. Will Smith, your boy, hit a home run. He's been crushing so far this postseason, has a 400 batting average so far through four, through five games. Excuse me. Uh, meanwhile, the Giants, Anthony Di Scalfani, could not get deep into that game. The Giants' bullpen did not hold up their end of the bargain. We are going to game five. Julio Arias versus Logan Webb. Uh, That should be on Thursday night back in San Francisco. Chris, I know you just watched this game with me. Um, This felt like a Dodgers game right from the start. It just kind of felt it. Um, And I think that only feels right knowing the Dodgers can't go down in four games. They're just not this or they're just too stinking good. This felt like it had to go to the distance. And um, really the way that Logan Webb uh, and Julio Arias pitched in their first appearances in this series, we can't get a better pitching matchup for Game 5.
3: No, it's going to be a great one. I'm, I'm very excited for Game 5. And, you know, it's funny. You, you, going back to Game 3, I mean – if not for wind barometer, the series is over. Like that is, I mean, I, I give credit to the Giants for doing what they did. And uh, Are you going to pull the ev- Dave Roberts excuse? Ev- Evan and the, Longoria. The wind did, is the reason? Well, honestly, the wind is the reason because that game was tied, if not for the fact that, that Gavin Lux hit a homer that is a homer. Like, I think I read something like, I'm going to be hyperbolic and say like 99.6% of the time, but it's more like, like 85 or something like that. But look, if not for that, that, that series is at very least tied. And if not for my son, Brandon Crawford, making a terrific defensive play, what I'm trying to say is that this series was destined to go five games. Yeah. Like I, I, I think, I still think the Dodgers are the much better baseball team mm-hmm. all due respect to a 107 win team, mm-hmm. which still for whatever reason, isn't getting enough credit but this series was absolutely destined to go five games. Um, I thought Walker Bueller was really good tonight. It was interesting to see, you know, 75 pitches and what I was imagining. Um, I imagine some Dodger fans were holding their breath a little bit with uh, Joe Kelly coming into that game. Never been a question about stuff, but like he does tend to make things interesting, but he did, he got the job done again, just like he got the job done in game two um, or excuse me in that wildcard game against the Cardinals actually is when that happened. But yeah this series was destined to go five games and it's just a matter of can Logan Webb against that Dodgers lineup do what he did again he certainly has the stuff in command to do it but that is a tall tall task
2: Logan Webb in game one seven and two thirds with five hits no earned no walks ten strikeouts I mean just you can't you can't write a better line than that and honestly if the Giants are going to pull the upset, and it feels wrong to say the 107-win Giants are going to pull the upset, but if the Giants are going to pull this off, it's going to be on the back of Logan Webb. Logan Webb is going to need to put up a similar stat line to that because Mm -hmm. I've watched in the last two games the San Francisco bullpen look shakier than I've seen them in quite a while, and I just don't know if you can rely upon them to get. If Logan Webb has a short hook, which, and we'll get into this more either later in this show or another date, the unbelievably quick hooks we are seeing so far in this postseason. Right. Um, If Logan Webb gets a quick hook, I mean, advantage Dodgers in a major way, the way that these two bullpens have been pitching. So it really is going to be up to Logan Webb to really keep them in this.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I do think, and we talked about this in our postseason preview podcast, I think Max Scherzer is going to be available and be available to maybe give you a couple of innings, at least one inning it's going to be on his, his basically his throw day. Mm-hmm. And that's a big advantage. Like having a guy like that, if Julio Arias does struggle to give you some stability to get into that back end of the bullpen is big. And it's also big for the Dodgers too. You know that we, you talked about it uh, in that pre playoff preview too, is that having that extra day off for these arms to get ready and, all due respect to the Giants bullpen, that has been successful, and they pitched so well in Game 3. Obviously, got a little bit of luck again with the wind yeah. and an unbelievable catch by Brendan Crawford on that Mookie Betts play. Just as as good of a catch as I've seen from a shortstop in a, in a postseason game, honestly. Just unbelievably clutch. But uh, it is not the same type of bullpen as the Dodgers bullpen. This is a bullpen that's very much relying on defense, and this is a good defensive team. But I'll take the swing and miss team over the over the team that's relying on contact. Certainly helps that it's a home game, but having that extra day for those arms to stay fresh, big.
2: Yeah, that extra day really is going to come into play more and more as we move forward into this postseason Absolutely. and already going to show it. Um, I mean, you talk about Max Scherzer. To to quote the water boy, like last game of the season, can't hold anything back here. (laughs) We're going to see both bullpens. We're going to see both starting rotations be sitting out in that bullpen come the third inning. Like this is going to be a all hands on deck because I think both of these teams know that if they're able to advance now that they know that they're going to take on the Braves, which we're about to get to and not face that pitching staff of the Brewers, I think both teams look at this like, okay, and that's no disrespect to the Braves especially and their pitching staff. We're going to get to that in a second, but I think both of these teams look at this is really their world series to a certain extent, the way that their seasons have been running, like get past this. And now kind of the road somehow gets easier because it just seems like these two continue to stick in their craw. Remember 10-9 advantage giants in the regular season. It has been that razor thin all year.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Just looking at it here, I would imagine that the only pitcher that isn't available for the Dodgers on Thursday is going to be Walker Bueller because nobody else threw more than 20 pitches. And then for the giants, I guess uh, Discofani obviously isn't going Discofani to be available. Out, yeah. Although although he only threw 28 pitches. So, like, if you get desperate, like, I guess you could maybe. If you're, the, if you're getting it. that desperate,
2: the yeah. game is out of hand already. Or or
3: it's going a long, long time. And it would <laughs> yeah, not a, shock a me if inning. this game goes <laughs> goes very long. It's just, there just seems to be something. Met. And then Zach Littell, who was actually very good today in his yeah. two scoreless innings. I would say he's probably not available. But everybody should be, it should be an all hands on deck type of thing. I can see this game being very close and very, very, very long. Like we're talking Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees, yeah. two thousand five. Uh, you don't have to put a, a date, date hour. on it. You don't have to yeah. put a date on it. Just say Boston and Yankees. Yeah, uh, I've had to stay up
2: till yeah. whatever those games are. Gosh. Go to a, if you if you have not pushed the limit of how long you want to be at a baseball <laughs> game. Go to a Yankee Red Sox game in a stadium on yeah. a weeknight, especially. Oh. You'll yeah. never you'll never be like, oh, my God, it's midnight and it's like the fifth inning somehow. How is this possible? Yeah, yeah exactly. All right, so yeah. I, yeah. Chris, I know that you picked Dodgers in this series. I think you had them sweeping or like I did. three or four. Yeah. I did. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's fine, but yeah. are you, I assume you're sticking with Dodgers here. Yeah, going I, five?
3: I, I, I am. I think it's going to be an excellent game five, but I just go with the Dodgers. Um, Logan Webb makes me think about it a little mm-hmm. bit and the game being at home, but I just think the Dodgers... Are just the better baseball team, and I'll go with the better baseball team.
2: I think that's totally fair. And I think I'm going Dodgers here as well, just for those all of those same reasons. Would a shot mm-hmm. be one IOTA if the Giants no. were able to pull this up? No. But um just inherently, if these two teams <laughs> and it's funny to say, I was about to say if these two teams played a hundred times, yeah. Dodgers would act, but you know, they played 19 times in the regular season. The Giants won <laughs> and the Giants won 10 yeah. of them. So you know what? Yeah, not a good example to use. <laughs> But winner of this series will go on to face the Atlanta Braves after the Braves defeated the Milwaukee Brewers, um, five, four in game four earlier on Tuesday night, they won the series three, one Freddie Freeman hits a go ahead game winning home run off Josh Hader in the bottom of the eighth inning. What a Mm. moment that was. Oh God. There, you know, there's times you want to pay to be in a stadium. I wanted to be in a stadium for that moment right there. Um, Especially again, just off Josh Hader, who has looked so good. Craig Council, mm-hmm. I thought, did a very good job managing all year and into the postseason. And putting Josh Hader into that game in the eighth inning was absolutely the right move to face part of that lineup. 100%. Just sometimes it just did not work out. So yes. that is I mean, the way Josh Hader's been pitching all year. Um, let's talk about the Braves' pitching staff a second, because we all came into this series. Really focusing on the Milwaukee Brewers pitching staff, I, I mm-hmm. had Milwaukee winning the series. I had Milwaukee winning the National League uh, title um, based on that pitching staff. But you know what? The Braves pitching staff heard me and and put me and put me back in my place. A 1.54 <laughs> ERA and only six earned runs allowed in 35 innings pitched, striking out 48 Brewers. At one point, the Brewers were 0 for 22 with runners in scoring position. Now, obviously, you can put a little, you know, six one half dozen. The other is this Atlanta pitching, or is this the Brewers' ineptitude? And because let's be real about it, the Brewers did not hit in this game, in the series. No. But I'm gonna give the nod to the Braves pitching staff here because they looked. I mean, it looked really good. And let's focus on Ian Anderson for a hot second if we're gonna talk about that pitching staff. Jeez. He's he's getting to. I mean, look, I'm not. It is hyperbole on top of hyperbole. To yeah. throw the Madison Bumgarner reference out there. <laughs> but the way that he is pitching right now in postseason ball, he is taking it to another level. Sure. Um, in game three, five innings pitched, three hits, no earned, six strikeouts in his postseason career. In 23 and two-thirds innings pitched, he is 3-0 and with a 0.76 ERA and 30 strikeouts to 10 walks. Yeah, it's just uh, he's just been phenomenal in his rookie year last year and still somehow technically his rookie year this year. Right. Uh, Ian Anderson has been amazing. Charlie Morton looked excellent. I mean, this Braves pitching staff came to play when they knew that that was really one of their biggest issues going into the series.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's it's pretty close for me to blame about like this, how much of this is Braves pitching and uh, Brewers hitting. I, I don't think Christian Yelich is healthy. I, I just no. don't. I okay. think, I think that there's something going on there. Um, and like you look at the, the middle of this lineup, like Willie Adames uh, had an, a sensational season, but he was their best hitter and I'm not sure you can win a world series with Willie Adames no. as your best. Hitter. I agree. It's, it's, it's just tough. As good as that pitching staff is, it's just a lot to ask. I think one of the underrated, uh, storylines from this series, um, was how good Tyler Matic was. Like, Tyler yeah. Matzik was sensational in yeah, his chances. And it's such a great story because this was a guy who was a super hyped prospect, so ranked as maybe the best prep, prep, prep pitching prospect. That is a very difficult phrase to say, by the way. Um, it is, But rep, ranked as one of the top guys in that class was basically a bust, like a, a guy who mm-hmm. was like just completely off the radar – has come back and has become one of the shutdown left-handed relievers in baseball. And he was huge in this series. Um, Yeah. uh, Of course, unfortunately we have to talk a little bit about the fact that we have to wonder if Jorge Soler is going to be available for the rest of the series. But you know, that is one of the reasons. And again, I keep going back to this. The Braves could have easily been a team that stood pat at the deadline and not done anything, but instead they went out and got a Jorge Soler. They got an Adam Duvall. They got an Eddie Rosario and all three of those guys were impact players in the series. I mean, don't forget obviously. about
2: Jock Peterson as well, and J- who had and a very Peterson. Big impact in the series.
3: Absolutely. And I, you know, I keep forgetting about that. Like they they literally traded mm-hmm. for a starting outfield and a quarter. They start traded for hundred and twenty-five percent of a starting outfield. Like, good for them, man. Like that is fun to see. It is fun to see a team. And it's proof that you don't have to go all in. There seems to be this idea, and I keep talking about it, mm-hmm. that you either have to be all in and trade all of your prospects and do uh, this massive uh, destroying of the system, or you have to tank and you have to bring in all of these prospects. No, you can definitely or do. Stand both. Or yeah. stand pat, or stand pat, because that's usually the only other one. Yeah. Yeah, that's and absolutely, and that Braves are proof that you there is a way for you to get better without destroying your farm system. Like I I was looking back at this. Atlanta hasn't made a big prospect trade in a very, very long time. And have developed guys like Ozzy Alves and Austin Riley and obviously Ronald Acuna Jr. But they went out and they made moves without giving up top prospects to completely revamp that outfield. I mean, completely revamp that outfield. Now they're, the fly. yeah, And now they're four wins away from the World Series, and I think that's awesome, and I think that's what baseball teams should be trying to do, and it's sad that that has to be even said.
2: Preach, Chris. Preach. Could not have <laughs> said it better myself. Um, like you said, Jorge Soler did not have a particularly great division series before this COVID, this positive right. COVID test. Either way, you'd still rather him in your lineup. Christian sure. Pache replacing him on the roster. Uh, again, gonna be more of a defensive speed guy, I would assume, in this unbelievable CS. Defender. Yeah, in this CS more than anything that you really want in your lineup. Um, that being said, let's talk about Eddie Rosario and Austin Riley, who both had a great uh division Huge. series. Rosario 308, 471, 615, four hits and two RBIs in the in the four games. Riley 333 with an OPS over nine. With a home run, an RBI and five hits, both of them look great. Riley yeah. had some great defensive plays on top of that. Both For of sure. them just had timely hitting. And if we're talking about Rosario and Riley, and we haven't discussed the Ozzy Albies and the um Freddie Freemans outside yeah. of that home run, like this lineup looks really good. And yeah. if that pitching staff can do anything like they did against the Brewers, I mean, we are we might have undervalued Atlanta entering this postseason. Um, just because they just seem to be playing up to snuff.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's worth pointing out, too, that Atlanta has been one of the better road teams in baseball yeah. as well. And real quick, one of the biggest plays, I think, of this postseason was in Game 3, um, Freddie Peralta, counsel pinch hit for Freddie Peralta with Dan Vogelbach with runners on second and third. Yeah. And I didn't love the decision, but I kind of got it. But Dansby Swanson made a diving play mm-hmm. on the ball hit by Vogelbach to keep that game uh at zero zero and keep that run from scoring. That basically changed the entire series because yeah. if if they score a run before Vogelbach comes to play, I don't think Freddie Peralta's given up a run in that game. He was absolutely he was dominant in the, yeah. he was it was he looked good and he seemed to be getting better. He'd only thrown like 50 pitches in his four innings as two so he could have given you at least two more innings, <sighs> maybe three. But that was a huge change and Dansby Swanson like he's not hitting great but he is such an underrated defensive player. And I love this Atlanta infield so much. They've got a chance against whoever they play. It's just, it's going to be tough because both those teams are really good.
2: Is Atlanta with the infield that they have? I was thinking about this as I was watching the game. Is <laughs> that the best infield in baseball?
3: I think it might be. It's certainly the best I mean, infield that I can think of right now at yeah, 10.23 p.m. <laughs> but it's like, and if you, if you consider it offensive and defensive, I can't imagine that there's a better one. Like you can, you can upgrade on Dansby Swanson offensively, to be completely honest with you. But Riley and Albies and Freeman are top three at their position right now. And I know that's saying a lot for Austin Riley. But the way he's playing right now, mm-hmm. I can't name too many better third basemen. And Freddie Freeman is just an absolute superstar. I'm very curious to see what he's going to get in the offseason. We can talk about that in a month. But yeah, but yeah I think you're I think you're to it. I think that might be the best infield in baseball right now.
2: Yeah, put Max Muncy at first base for the Dodgers. We can have sure. a conversation. Him being very out, good. and we talked about that in our last show. Like mm-hmm. that's a big deal, and we need to see when he comes back. Sure. Uh, but just that – Infield looks great. Last uh, last stat from that series, uh, Brewers their batting average as a team one ninety two. Yikes! In four games, yeah, I mean, it's just not going to go out them. there in the off season and fix that offense, Brewers, because the pitching staff is there, the the pieces are there, the the central is up for grabs. Uh, just find something to plug in that offense, and hopefully, a healthier or better Christian Yelich is yeah. really is. is needed more than anything else. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great call. Hey, all you NHL and NBA fans out there, the fantasy seasons are upon you. So make sure you are signed up for NBC Sports Edge Plus. Signing up for Edge Plus gets you access to our fantasy football, basketball, and hockey sections, in addition to our incredible baseball and sports betting content. As a reward for our listeners, be sure to use promo code BASES10 to get 10% off any premium subscription package, either monthly or annually, regardless of tier. So to find your edge, make sure you are signed up for NBC Sports Edge Plus.
0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards.
2: The promo code again is bases ten. So let's flip over to the American League now, and let's talk about that Astros White Sox series. As Houston knocks out Chicago in four games, they won game four on Tuesday ten to one, And uh, this series was not close. This, no. this This was a thumper of a series, what I thought was going to be the most exciting of maybe all of the series outside Same. of Dodgers Giants. Uh, Mm -hmm. This was not the White Sox straight up did not show up. Uh, The Astros thoroughly outplayed them. They outscored the White Sox 31 to 18 in this, in the series. And 12 of those came in one game for the White Sox in their only, in their lone win. So this was not close. The Astros offense was incredible. A 288, 371, 432 team slash line, four homers and 31 runs scored in four games. And let's talk about their major players because they all showed up. Correa, 385 with two doubles and four RBIs. Bregman with a double and four RBIs, batting 375. Brantley, 368 with a double and four RBIs. Altuve, 313 with a home run, two doubles and three RBIs. And Tucker with a 294 average with a double, two homers and seven RBIs, plus two stolen bases that every single fantasy manager out there is going, where were those stolen bases all year? (laughs) But if, I mean, that's the core of that team. And Tucker had the lowest batting average there with 294. I mean, if this offense plays anything close to that, uh, the Astros might, I mean, they are legitimately a favorite. Maybe dare I say a favorite, not only to come out of the American League, but also win this whole stinking thing because that offense just looks on point.
3: It's a really good lineup. And I do, I. If I, if I could change one thing I said in our postseason preview, I think I'd say the Astros have the best lineup in baseball. Like I, I, I do believe that if you talk one through nine, and yeah, eight and nine are kind of a weakness a little bit with uh, with uh, he, whoever's playing center field and Martin Maldonado at the plate. But when you talk one through seven, and when you have Kyle Tucker hitting seventh in a lot of yeah. these games. I didn't I mean, even
2: mention Jordan Alvarez, yeah. And
3: Jordan <laughs> Alvarez, who got on at a 583 clip in this series. Yeah. Just an absolute... Superstar. But on the other side, I don't want to say that the White Sox were frauds, but I don't know how to finish that sentence.
1: (laughs) I mean, it is
3: honestly, it is pretty clear. And look, a lot of people pick the White Sox to go far. I'm pretty sure I picked the White Sox to go far. Who can heck and can remember what anyone did in February and March? But. Uh, it, they really looked overmatched in this series, and, and outside of a game three where I think Dusty Baker basically said, "All right, <laughs> this yeah, one's over. It. Have yeah. it." It's it, it's uh, I, the players obviously are still playing hard, but I think the way you managed, he managed that bullpen kind of suggested it's okay if we lose this one because right. we've Let's got two four. more two more chances to go forward. I think honestly to a, a big factor in this series. And I think the Astros would have won it anyway, but that rainout was big to be able to get Lance McCullers on full rest in this game. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a big thing. I also have to say, and I know I've, I've been critical of Tony La Russa. Tony La is a hall of famer for a reason and all of that good stuff, mm-hmm. but I just don't get what he was doing, leaving Carlos Rodon in that game and like as good as his velocity was early on, he waited a batter too late, and it ended up being, pre- obviously, in a 10-1 game, you know, it doesn't. But to say the floodgates were opened after he left Carlos Rodon in instead of bringing in Kopech. By the way, he had said Kopech wasn't available for this game. Obviously, that was uh, incorrect. Um, managers have a tendency to change their minds on these things, but I thought that was interesting. But that was huge. Like the the Carlos Rodon, as hard as he was throwing, did not have good command, and he was missing on two-strike pitches an awful lot Leaving him into that game really ended up costing them. But um, I think the fact that Lance McCullers was able to go on fold rest, all due respect to Jose Urquidy and Framber Valdez, who I, I imagine is probably going to get the game one start, probably. that is a big, big difference because Lance McCullers is very, very good.
2: It's funny. We're gonna again. We're gonna talk about this more in the coming weeks because I'm watching more and more of these postseason games, just kind of. Shaking with rage as I'm watching every single starter get yanked. We talked about Lance McCullers on full rest. He didn't make it five innings in that game, and they were up. Sure, like this was this wasn't a a nail biter. Like they were up pretty comfortably, and he still got yanked before five innings. Yeah, and it's funny that we're you know I think we as baseball fans want to see starters go longer, but then at the same time we talk about Tony La Russa, an old school guy, leaving Carlos Rodon in a batter too late, and that's one of our first. That's one yeah. of our first, you know, yeah. criticisms of them. It's sure. it's a it's a catch twenty two that is. we're going to have to figure out yeah. exactly what you know what is the proper way of doing this. Did we right. pull Blake Snell in Game Six of the World Series last year? Or are we leaving Carlos Rodon? Like it's just there's so much ebb and flow, right. um, So it's it's weird to think of, and we're going to have to talk about that more. Yeah, but um, that White Sox pitching staff overall did not.
0: No, pitch didn't well show.
2: in this unit. No. a 7.94 era they gave up 30 what 30 earned runs in 34 Gosh. innings they walked 18 batters across that span uh the guys that you need to pitch well giolito four earned in four and a third lance lynn five earned in three and two thirds and michael kopech again the guy that we saw a couple times being used six earned runs in three innings pitched i mean you're not going to win if those are the stat lines that your pitchers are throwing up. Now, no. Chris, we're going to talk, I mean, the White Sox are in fine shape. There is no one on the there's no one in Chicago right now that is a White Sox fan that should be worrying about anything. This team is not young. The it future, has no. uh, the long-term future. There is no worries here. And honestly, I walked into this postseason with a feeling like this feels like the year where the White Sox won't make it. I thought they'd maybe advance or put up a little bit more of a fight this feels like that stepping stone year that like you take a hard knock on the chin everyone looks at each other there's the roster is going to remain mostly the same going into next year and then you kind of run it back and you say okay now we have the experience that kind of felt like this a little bit this year but i i expected more from the white Sox in this series yeah That being said, Luis Robert looked phenomenal. He tried to almost single-handedly save the series from the White Sox offensive points. Abreu had a couple timely hits like he just seems to always have. He just always seems to be in the batter's box in a big moment and get that big hit. But the rest of the White Sox, just everybody needs to just go into this offseason, reset, and come back. Because we're going to be talking about them as – the favorite in the American league central next year, basically no matter what we're going to be talking about them as one of the favorites in the American league, basically no matter what. And if they can keep this team together, then they should be back just fine. But I was pretty underwhelmed by the white Sox in the series and you avoid saying the word fraud, but I mentioned in our postseason preview, just they don't have a phenomenal record against teams above 500. And this was supposed to be the moment where they changed that narrative and they didn't. They were healthy, finally all at the right time, and they didn't change that narrative. So they're going to have to go into that offseason with that hanging around their necks until they prove it otherwise.
3: Yeah, and I think – real quick, shout out to Tim Anderson, who even going hitless yeah. broke a record for most hits in his, seven, <laughs> for his first seven games of a series, which shows you just how good he was before. Um, but yeah, I, I, the, the White Sox future, it just – it seems obviously bright. They're going to have to make some decisions on – Carlos Rodon, who is going to get a lot more money offered, I think, this offseason than he did this season. Um, That'll be an interesting thing to see. They have arms like Kopech and those guys. Again, Kopech should not have been available for this game. And and La Russa literally had said that he wasn't available and then changed his mind, which is a weird thing to do. (laughs) And I wonder wonder if the heads wasn't quite right for Kopech in that series. I just can't help but wonder about that type of stuff. Impossible to prove, of course, but like... Man, this Astros team, and my only question mark is, how is the pitching going to do? And by the way, I actually like the decision to pull McCullers because, look, they were up 5-1 when they pulled him, and he did not have great command. He'd already walked three, and what is the one thing you want to avoid when you're up by like that type of lead is base on balls. So I yeah. do I do get that decision, but you're right. It is funny, the catch-22 about these starting pitchers. But um, yeah, the White Sox will be very good next year, but I will say this. We're going to talk about Houston advancing to the ALCS Outside of Carlos Correa, all of those guys are going to be back, I think, for Houston as well. This, yeah. They are not going away. And I'm very sorry to people who hate that team. And I get it, but they're not going away.
2: Speaking of teams that I hate, the Red Sox <laughs> the Rays in four games. <laughs> it is going to kill me over the next, like, what, week and a half or so, sure. watching two teams, maybe the two teams that. I, as a Yankee fan hate more than anybody else going, knowing that one of them has to win the American (laughs) league and go to the world series. Like I'm rooting for the meteor at this point. Like it's, (laughs) it's absolutely crushing that these are the two that I got to deal with. And I was already, I had somehow figured out a way of getting on the Rays bandwagon just to, just despite the Red Sox and the Astros and no, they couldn't help me out there, but the Red Sox upset the Rays back to professionalism. The Red Sox upset the Rays in four games, the, uh, they walk off in game four on a Kike Hernandez sack fly. They also walked off in game three in the 13th inning on that Christian Vasquez home run. Chris, I don't have 25 minutes to get into the rule book <laughs> on this, but what was that? Uh, oh we didn't gosh. have a chance to talk about that ground rule oh double in the, what in the top of the 13th inning in that game yeah. three. I, I, I don't know where to begin with that. I understand the rule. It was called correctly and I despise yeah. every second of it. Sure. Um, Craig, do you have anything you want to throw on that one before I move uh, on to this?
3: I will just say this. So as a Seahawks fan, the <laughs> entire reason that instant replay came back is a long time ago, Vinny Testaverdi scored a touchdown where he was down at about the one and a half yard line. And it got, cost the Seahawks a playoff spot. And literally that offseason, they brought in a rule change to bring back instant replay. Yeah. I think they're going to change this rule based on what happened because it's a silly rule. Like it is. It, yes, it was applied correctly, but the the rule in itself is flawed. Like you As have well, to yeah. do something where those guys are getting two bases from where that ball was deflected, and Yandy Diaz scores very easily. Luckily, it technically didn't matter because Vasquez hit a two run homer, yes. so you know they 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 would have ended up winning by one, according to whatever property that's supposed <laughs> to be. But it is fair to say that the the game is managed differently. If it's tied versus uh, whether they're down by one and the Red Sox take a different approach, so all of that stuff. But yes, that rule has to change, and I've never seen anything like that before.
2: Yeah, that's just nuts. That's one of those things that only happens in in the baseball (laughs)
0: postseason, you know, when
2: something ridiculous occurs, and you're like, what? When does that happen uh, um, yeah, no. I mean, just think about what Boston—the the pressure that would have been on them in the bottom of that thirteenth downer Ooh, run, rather than tied—it's completely different conversation. Absolutely. Um, but let's talk about those Boston bats because they went off in that series. I they mean, did. they made the Rays pitching staff look bad. It did. Uh, Schwarber, Bogarts, Devers, Kike Hernandez all go deep twice. Their their team batting average was three twenty eight. They had nine doubles, 11 homers, and 32 runs scored across five games so far in this postseason. I mean, we knew at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of this postseason, that Boston was only going to be able to go as far as their bats carry them. That is the strength of that roster. It is where they butter their bread. But this was impressive against the Rays pitching staff that throughout the course of the year, whether by hook or by crook, by whatever name that they threw out of that bullpen, they got (laughs) outs and they did not get Boston out. Race pitching staff, just simply not up to snuff. Waka, six earned in two and two thirds. McClanahan, five earned in five and two thirds. Boz, three and and two and a third. Now again, I don't like pointing out McClanahan and Boz because they're rookies and we have to, but you know what? If you're going to start them in postseason games, we're going to have to talk about them like they are yeah. starters in postseason games, and sure. they didn't live up to their billing. Wow. Um, and really, the Rays pitching staff overall didn't. And wow. I think that was pretty surprising entering this this series, thinking like, okay, I honestly, I mean, I, I had Rays going all the way to the World Series uh, in our postseason preview, and most of it was based on the fact that, look, I didn't expect any of these starters to be going six, seven innings, but yeah. I did trust that bullpen to come in and do their job, and they didn't
3: no they didn't and you know they they did struggle and i keep i can't help but go back to the fact that you know this team traded Rich Hill because of mm-hmm. their financial reasons have something to do with it and the fact that they had these young arms and and look i i love those guys i would have started Shane Boss in game 1 because i thought he was their best starter but it was problematic that Shane Boss was their best starter yeah, for the postseason. It's like look Rich Hill if he gives you what he was giving you for the Mets down the stretch and he was Excellent down the stretch. It's maybe a different series we're talking about. Um, but Boston's bats were really good. Even Raphael Devers, who is clearly, ba- clearly basically playing with a one arm right now, uh, hit 300, 417, 600 uh, with a couple of homers. Uh, he's kind of swinging for the fences a little bit right now. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's an awful nice guy to have in the middle of the lineup, even with just one arm. I'll take one-armed Raphael Devers over a lot of players. But um, I do want to also go back to... How much Alex Cora got bailed out by one of the worst postseason decisions I've seen. With them up two runs, going to Ryan Brazier rather than having Garrett Whitlock finish that game off. And Garrett Whitlock ended up pitching two innings in that game. I mean, that really should have cost them that game and maybe the series. Because you go back to a game five. Like, that was really dumb from one of the smartest managers, I think, in baseball. That decision really should have bit them in the tuchus. But it didn't because there is something about this Red Sox team like they are as streaky a baseball team, I think, as I can remember. Like when they're on, they're on. And when they're off, they're off. But they're really on right now. But, man, I (laughs) that was uh, something that we would have had to dedicate a whole podcast to if the Red Sox (laughs) would have lost that game because it made
2: no sense to go to Ryan
3: Brazier in that situation. You're right,
2: not that, especially the way that Woodlock has been pitching. It He's just so doesn't good. make any sense. Uh, let's talk about pitch. Uh, let's talk about Boston's pitching staff a second, because while they beat the Yankees in a one-game wild card and they beat the the Rays in four games, uh, their two AL East rivals. I mean, an impressive one-two, but that pitching staff can it hold up over the long run, especially when going up against that Astros offense? Postseason numbers so far. They have a 4.13 ERA, 22 earned runs allowed and 48 innings pitched, with nine home runs allowed. Simply put, the starters need to go deeper into the game because the bullpen is getting straight taxed. Two save opportunities, zero saves for that Boston bullpen. They have 30 innings pitched from their relievers. That's most. That's the most in baseball this off uh, this postseason. No team has 18 innings pitched from their relievers. Any other team, so they've almost double the rest of the field in relief innings pitched, and that bullpen has given up ten earned runs and six home runs in those thirty innings. So, yeah. this is it's it's very clear there is a soft underbelly in Boston, and it is getting to getting from starter to the back end of that bullpen. And if the starters are not going to give them a lot of length, Chris Sale did not make it out of what the second inning. No. Uh, I, I mean, A. Evaldi pitched well again. Uh, the if those starters can't get enough innings, then this bullpen is just going to get blown up by that Astros offense.
3: It's such a good lineup and is such a mismatch when you look at the pitching staff. By the way, shout out to Nick Pavetta, who yeah. especially in that yes, game I was three. was going that up. Thank you. In game three, he was <laughs> so good. And I have to say, like, he looked so fired up pitching too, like the he the, was the, pitching
2: two miles an hour faster than he normally yeah. is like he was, oh, absolutely. Jacked
3: up. he was jacked man he was he was jacked to the t from the from the ryan gosling uh, scene from the big short when yeah. he was ready to sell the shorts but like yeah that was big like uh you're relying on arms like Pavetta and tanner hawk and hansel robles i mean that's asking an awful awful lot um Back to the race, real quick. The one thing that I, I definitely came out of this series, other than the fact that like the pitching was Wander Franco is a gosh dang star. Like yeah. ha, like I, I yeah. don't know how you couldn't be impressed yeah. with what he did as a 20-year-old. Like offensively and defensively, just unbelievable. Um and Randy Rosarina, like <laughs> if you were if you were doing the soccer loan system and in the race somehow don't make the playoffs. Be willing to spend a lot to loan that guy out to my team well, for the final stretch because playoff Randy playoff just absolutely Randy absolutely
2: mashes. Just and regular mashes.
3: regular season Randy is very good too. But that this is now two postseasons yeah. in a row where he is just absolutely destroyed. And again, some of it has to do with the fact that the Boston pitching staff is just not very good. You are going to have to, if the Red Sox win this series, get at least two wins from Nathan Iovaldi, and then find a way to get two other wins in this series because I just can't trust. Like if I if I were playing this series and if I wasn't worried about ruining arms, I would just find a way to get Garrett Whitlock three innings in every game and somehow get Nathan Yelvaldi some of those as well. But you can't do that because, you know, legally it's, it's just not very couth. But I just can't trust this Boston pitching staff against really any postseason lineup. But this Houston lineup, it seems like a huge mismatch.
2: Yeah, from all of the teams that are still remaining. I mean, Mm -hmm. you take Giants, Dodgers, Braves, Astros, that Boston pitching staff, woof, just going up against all of them one way or the other. So that is going to be incredibly difficult for them. Um, That Astros offense just looks really great. And when you talk about Boston versus Houston, I mean, if you want to say – both offenses are a wash say that they are equal in the way that both of them are playing right now. I'm perfectly fine with that argument, but one has a decided advantage when it comes to the pitching staff. And I think that is where that ALCS is going to be decided is which pitching staff can do better. And I feel like the, the smart money is on Houston.
3: Yeah. And it's, it's a little bit danging with faint praise there. Just a little bit like, again, all due respect to the Red Sox, great season. And they, they, They've got a chance because of that. Well, they lineup, absolutely but, have
2: a chance, but, but no
3: one's counting. I, I, I don't. I don't think this Houston patch pitching staff is some sort of elite group by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. Like, like the closer, and there and there's some talented arms in there, but it's more just about the fact that I just don't know if I can trust Boston to pitch well enough in a seven game series against one of the truly elite lineups in baseball right now.
2: Either way, it will be a very exciting ALCS for everyone not from the New York City area. Sure. And <laughs>
3: you know, I was going to say, yes, one of these teams has to win. But Colin, if you want to do some some Freud, one of these teams got to lose too. One of them. You can take, I, one I, of I, these I, teams I mean, have
2: gonna have to lose. I'm going to eat those tears up a little bit when
3: one of those teams loses. <laughs>
2: yeah. Let's just say I am. Let's just say I am full team NL for the rest yeah. of this postseason. Let's go. Whatever, whoever's coming out of the National League, I am going to buy a jersey. Like, I am so ready to make,
3: go. Should we make some predictions on that stuff now? I you want to make some
2: predictions? Fun. I mean, we're, yeah. yeah, let's make some predictions beforehand. Chris, start us off.
3: I will go. So, I will go on the series that we actually know. I'm going to, I'm going to say Astros in six. And I, honestly, I think it might be Astros in five, but I'm not doing any more short season predictions anymore. <laughs> it's just there's baseball's too hard to do that. Um, yeah. But I, I will say Astros in six. I just think that. That lineup is so good, and I'll give Nathan Iovaldi those two wins, but I don't know where the other two wins are coming from.
2: Yeah, I f- I'm going with Astros and six as well. They get to come home for game six. That feels mm-hmm. like the right time for them to take it. Like, it's a it's a series. Boston's offense keeps Boston in it. Um, Boston also seems to have that between that ridiculous – ground rule double and the Kiki Hernandez, and the, the Rays come back to then in game four to Boston mm-hmm. taking it home. Like Boston has a, like a feel and the Yankee wildcard game, like Boston just has a feel like if it's a 50, 50 game, like they're going to win at 51, 51- percent of the time you know what I mean like they just have that kind of vibe to them right now um the Astros really haven't been tested at all because they either won all of their games handedly or they lost that one game pretty handedly like they have not really been in a close game really this entire postseason so far so maybe Boston has a little bit of an edge there but I'm with you on this Astros pitching staff is better Astros offense is just absolutely mashing the ball right now they come home Astros in six yeah that's fair.
3: National League, I will go, and well, you've know, got I'm Dodgers.
2: Right. With all right, yeah. so well, we'll yeah. I'll, I'll let you hedge your bet here. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm. If you're going, hedging- if you go Dodgers, go yeah. Dodgers versus um, Braves versus uh, Dodgers, Braves, yeah, and yeah, Giants yeah. versus Braves.
3: Yeah, I will go uh in either of those series that team in six. I just, I, I believe, and I think it will be the Dodgers again. Um So by the NL, way, West
2: and six. Gotcha. NL West
3: in six. NL West in six. I will say. <laughs> Uh, Fabian Ardea of The Athletic just reported that Dave Roberts said Max Scherzer is most likely unavailable in relief in game five, but I've been known to change my mind, which is code for he is absolutely pitching. Which is code five. that
2: he'll be in the bullpen <laughs> in the second inning. What are we exactly.
3: talking about right now? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that Max yeah. Scherzer is pitching in that game, unless Julio Rios just dominates, and, and right. that's possible. Unless he doesn't Julio, need him. Yeah. yeah, Julio Rios is a very good pitcher. Um but yeah, I think both of those teams are just a little bit better. Both teams will also have the home field advantage over Atlanta. Um, uh, some good games, but I, I just think that either of those teams is the better team.
2: This one's a little tight because I will say Atlanta impressed me in that. They did. In that series. They impressed sure. me. And more, most importantly, that pitching staff impressed me.
3: Yeah. Um, Max Freed, man. We didn't talk Max, about him. Holy crap. We didn't crap. talk
2: about him. Yeah. I, Max Fried has been as on good Ian as Anderson. anybody since August. Yeah. 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 Um, I'll go NL West in seven, but I'll be honest with you. This is tight. This is really tight. Like I, I think the Braves present a very interesting matchup to either of those teams, whoever comes out of that division of that series. And most importantly, I think, you know, there, we talk about it in sports like basketball and hockey, where it kind of makes a little bit more of a, where it means a little bit more, but I'll bring that logic over here is that like these two heavyweights are duking it out with each other right now. Game right. five is going to burn every single person in that bullpen. You sure. know, anybody that's needed, it's going to be all hands on deck. Whoever comes into that Braves series, Braves are going to be a little bit more rested. Braves are going to um, be able to basically start their rotation however they want to set it up. Yeah. So those X factors makes the Braves a little bit more enticing. But the Giants and the Dodgers have been the class of really all of baseball all year. I'll give the nod to whoever comes out of that series gets it done in seven. Yeah, I will
3: say I can't help but remember, Colin. I think you might be a little too young for this, but 1993—that that the the Braves and uh, Giants had one of the best uh, season-ending showdowns of all time. Like the the Giants ended up setting the record for most wins of a team with like 102, not making the postseason. This is your, their chance for revenge. This is the, if they advance. This is their chance to get back at. Uh, team where most of the players weren't even born yet. I was going to say, you <laughs> realize that most <laughs> of the players weren't born in the conversation. Yeah. But I'm I too young
2: this. for this, but I guarantee you I, that a bunch I of
3: I know a lot of Giants fans, and uh, I give a shout-out to my buddy Grant Brisby of The Athletic, mm-hmm. who literally broke his elbow celebrating the game and then wrote an article. What an absolute stud to be able to do something like that. Literally broke his elbow and then wrote a game story for The Athletic on the game. Um, for the record, but
2: they, I think that's the, that's the bloody soccer shilling yeah. of, of our job, of our, yeah, like I mean, of our business. Yeah, that's basically yeah. that.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I will say there are a lot of Giants fans who remember that one – very, very well, because it was, I mean, it, that, that team with Barry Bonds and Matt Williams and, yeah. and those guys were so good. But, um, but yeah, I, th- I think that would be the, the interesting uh, story for me and about 13 other Giants fans, I guess.
2: Now look, uh, there's, there's niche populations all over the
0: place. As right? oh, so long as
2: someone's happy, everyone's happy. For sure. But But that just about finishes up our show for tonight. If you like what you're hearing, make sure you are subscribed to Circling the Bases wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us. You can follow me on Twitter at Live, and you can follow Chris at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Be sure to tune back in on Friday morning for DJ and Drew as they wrap up the Division Series and kick off the AL and NL Championship Series. So be sure you don't miss it. So until next time, stay safe out there. And as always, thanks for the listen. One quick thing: uh, First Pitch
3: Arizona. I'm going to be in Arizona Thursday to Sunday. Uh, if you're going to be there, uh, we're going to be I'm going to be doing two panels there, uh, talking about rookie hitters and also dynasty format stuff. It's a really cool event. Go to Who First Pitch Arizona. Just Google that, and you can see there's a ton of people who know a heck of a lot more than me talking about stuff. And if you want some help with rookie hitters, uh, also Brad Johnson of NBC Sports Edge is going to be there. I'm sorry to ruin your perfect outro, but I do want to remind everybody, First Pitch Arizona, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you're there, please come say hi.
0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?